So it's been a long time we've been planning this podcast for, right? Yes. So when what we're in November right now, I think April we initially tried to book something in. Yes. Uh, and then September, October, now we're in November. And what's really cool is that um when we started doing podcasts, it's been a year. And the third po- the first podcast we did uh was um just us to an afters. You know who's after us? Who's our first guest? Dashingur. Benji came on. And uh, we had a lot of requests after that from Sangat, you know, invite this person on, invite that person on. And a lot of you also asked for yourself okay. uh, to come on as well, uh, which is really cool. I actually asked them to <laughs> ask that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really cool. And uh, uh, what was really nice is that um, a lot of the Sangat have already watched your content as well. So a lot of the local uh, uh, Sangat here, the Sikhs that we know, um, a lot of our mates, for example, as well. And... Uh, What's nice to see is that you, with Guru's Grace, you have this impact offline with the local community, but also online as well. You do a lot of great work uh, on social media, on your YouTube channel, your Instagram page, etc., which we'll go through later on. But one thing that I was thinking about and contemplated before the podcast was um, this idea of just serving and seva. And it's great to see that in your personal life, with your work uh, in the community, that um, anything that you do is like, it's for other people, it's for the betterment. And even you could see that online as well. So one of the first questions I want to ask you just around the idea of seva and why is, 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 why is seva important to you, the idea of serving? That's a really good question. I haven't really thought of it from a point of view of seva before in mm. terms of ex- extrinsically and put that label on it. Uh, personally, I have a background as an osteopath. I was working in private clinic, working in the NHS, earning a lot of money. And it just felt a bit empty mm. and being able to just offer advice to people for free, being able to do talks at Gudwari and camps and engage with the community and being able to maintain a clinic in Southall where most of up and like the elderly in particular, the people who may not necessarily get the access to the best services. Um, that's, that's been much more fruitful than being a professional and being, so it, it feels more like, um, something for myself as opposed to something for other people. It, mm. it, I think a person can achieve a lot more when they are doing it for something outside of themselves. Right, Guru. I like that. And just the idea of um, even the way I pose the question about Seva, and it's, it's nice to see a response that in one way, you, in your eyes, it's like you don't see it as Seva. It's just something that you're doing. Uh, just something that's selfless, uh, helping other people. Uh, just maybe one point that comes to mind on that is uh, something that even myself, I learned from my elders, like my grandparents, just this idea of just naturally just helping other people. Right? It's like naturally ingrained in them. And uh, one thing I was speaking to Godavi Singh about as well is like um, many times today when we do ardas, when we do like we pray uh, to God very simply, we kind of always ask for our own like, you know, problems to be resolved. But one thing that's so interesting about like, like my Naniji, for example, because I went to visit her recently, only things that I picked up is like she'll always ask for everybody else's good mm. and bala before her own. Do you, do you find that as well with your grandparents? Yeah, 100%. Um, how about yourself? Do you see that with the elders? I, I, I like working in London. I work with lots of different faiths and communities and groups. And that's one of the things I love about Sikhi the most is mm. with the Das, we ask for Sarbat Tapala. Mm. It is very much about it's we don't go there so much with a laundry list of. In, in front of Guru Granth Sahib and say, you know what, I need a new car. I need, you know, <laughs> this much money for this. Usually we ask for Nam, we ask for, you know, opportunity to Sangat, opportunity for Bhakti. 
And I really like that about the Sikh faith. Mm. Uh, we ask for every day in Ardas, we ask for Sarbat Tapala. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's one thing that I really uh, enjoy about our community. And, and going back to your original question, when I, I was actually studying biomedical sciences at Royal Holloway and my mum got breast cancer. So she was having chemotherapy and radiotherapy and experiencing a lot of pain associated with the treatment. And um, it's obviously distressing to see uh, a parent going through so much suffering. And I was looking at options online, looking at kind of natural stuff, looking at all these supplements and all the, anything that could help with the cancer and, and along that vein. And uh, someone mentioned osteopathy. So I took her to an osteopath and she walked out there and she felt a lot better. And prior to that, she was on painkillers. She was getting, she was kind of hallucinating, hearing like even the sound of the radiator at night, the water running through the radiator was so distressing to her because of the, the strong meds she was on. And she walked out of the osteopathy clinic and she was like, she had a smile on her face that I hadn't seen for months. She said, I feel really good. And I thought, this is incredible. You can do something with your hands without the need for drugs or surgery that can benefit someone, make somebody feel better. So when I got into osteopathy, long story short, the idea was just, if I can help my mum, then it's worth it. So I changed my degree, studied osteopathy. I thought, if I can just do her safe, that would be worth it. But it's given me an opportunity to meet lots of amazing people like by Fajr Singh Sheed, by Fajr Singh's wife, Mm. Go to her seva in, in, at the Barsa where she lives. Um, go to see by uh, Jeevan Singh. Lots of lots of like Gursikhs, um, by Morak Singh from Australia. Um, so it's given me an opportunity like uh, Baba Fajr Singh and stuff. So it's it's been a big blessing for me. I think more so than, than people. I've just treated. on that point as well about osteopathy for someone who's listening who has no idea what osteopathy is. Can you just explain very um, just briefly, uh, simply what it is? I think the simplest way to think of it would be it's a manual therapy similar to chiropractic and physiotherapy mm. i think some people are very proud of their professions and their titles but essentially you're you're doing you're trying to work with your hands through massage cracking that kind of stuck stuff to make somebody feel better okay so it, it's kind of a, a where somebody would go before they go allow down the injection route or surgery route mm. and do you think some of these practices you do probably are like a lot more ancient from like olden style of medicine and treating people when like before we, we became more reliant on like drugs and prescription stuff yeah i mean i work with the wrestlers the Olymp olympic guys i was mm. on london 2012 um olympic team guru Kipa, in the medical team and part of indian culture part of a lot of these eastern european uh, soviet um massage is a big kind of part of that so even if you go to Tabi in India now, you know, there'll be somebody there <laughs> to get a massage from if you want. Obviously what they do is very different to what I do. Um, but it is it is traditionally very much part of our culture. When my son was born, I used to do massage on him every night. It would just help him sleep better. He'd get less colic, he'd cry less. And sometimes he'd fall asleep during the massage. So there, there's something very powerful about touch yeah. and um, in, in terms of nurturing a relationship with a father and son or or with a mother-daughter, mother-son, I think there's something very powerful there. So that is a bit of a lost art, I think, in our community. And how long have you been doing this uh, work for now? In terms of the osteopathy, it's been 11 years that I've been practicing in mm. professionally. And then the degree was five years. And uh, just going back to the point earlier about um, you're talking about meeting so many great people then, um, whilst you're doing this work, this save of osteopathy as well. Um, so maybe just... A bit along those lines. So, was you always into Sikhi then, um, from a young age, born to a Sikh family? 
No, I wasn't. Uh, my family is typical Punjabi kind of Khan Pinwale family. There's nobody in my family who's religious. And I went to university. Mm. I was a Thai boxer then. I used to compete in interclubs and, you know, just was in good shape and was like Mr. Popular. I thought myself as that. <laughs> so was you a GFK? I, I, I think I was a skinhead at one point. Oh, okay. Um, Can't imagine that. But yeah, I never had, I, I could never grow a beard. And uh, <laughs> I had very short hair, a bit like military style crew cut. Mm. And... And then I was in university, used to be really big on dancing, go to all the student nights and stuff. The kind of, um, the main person in our little gang of boys who were all up in it. And then I, st I started thinking, well, going to sleep at night. And there was this um, poster that was up on the wall. Mm. And I'd be sitting there thinking, you know, I feel like I have everything. I have health, I have popularity. I have, you know, out outwardly, uh, I feel like it's, um, people probably think, yeah, this guy's got it all together. But I wasn't, I wasn't content. I was, there was something missing. And so I think it all started for me at university. And then I, I would randomly listen to some Simran and just close my eyes and, and, uh, got, get a bit of peace from that. And then went to bus camp. And that was my first interaction with the Gurbani because they had the, um, the basics of, um, sorry, the Sikhi to the max up on the power, on the PowerPoint. Mm. So they would do Nithanam in the mornings. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. This is really deep because from a Western educational perspective, you're, you're learning on, you're learning philosophy, you're learning all these different types of things and theologies and ideologies. And then you, you realize actually this is what Gurbani is saying in this, just mind blowing. And I think it was that, that boss camp when I got back from there, that was, that was the main start to the journey. There's a few other friends who I went with who also got into Sikhi at the same time. And I remember them coming off the coach. I really wanted to grow my kiss. And I had left early because of a, a family emergency. And I, I, I was praying to Vaigri that, you know, if, if somebody could just do it with me, if I had someone's <laughs> like, you know, Sangat, then, you know, I really want to take this step. And then um, I went to collect my friends from the coach station and they all got off and they were like, Oh, we all, we're all going to become Sings now. Wow. We're all going to grow our kiss. And mm -hmm. so Zadvir, Baljeet Singh, all of these guys, um, that was, that was the day. Faji, did you have an experience at the camp, which made you like, was a turning point for you? I think in terms of me thinking there's something really in this, it was sitting during Nithanam and I read the translations and I, and then I thought, wow, you can actually meet God in human birth. Mm -hmm. And uh, just the the power of Gurbani, I think, was an initial really strong impetus to think, well, there's got to be more to life and maybe I should explore this avenue and see what there is in this. Mm -hmm. Because I'm fortunate enough to be born into mm -hmm. Sikh faith. So, And just the idea of Sikh camps then, Sikhi camps, um, because you've come into Sikhi, I guess that was a big push for you. Uh, and even you talk about boss camp, I later talk about Bhai Jagadar Singh Ji as well, and your interactions with them. And they came into Sikhi through boss camp as well. That was a big part in their GVD. So uh, would you recommend Sikhi camps to people there to definitely go to? Yeah, so I think that's a, there's two parts to that question in terms of my answer, two parts of the answer. The first is, uh, Sangat's really important. And if you're going to change, it's going to be through Sangat. And if you can find and surround yourself with good people, you're, you're, you're set. Is you're you're kind of halfway there. It's really important to find good sangat, mm. and camps are a great way to do that because people who are going to go there, hopefully, they're going to be like-minded. Uh, the other answer, part of the answer, is when I got into Sikhi and when Bajigrai Singh you got into Sikhi, there there wasn't basics. There wasn't all of these these um these uh, mediums that they are now. So mm. it was it was a different time, and and so 
there is a lot that people can do even if you don't have access to a camp or if you can't go there's lots of books online there's lots of resources that you guys mm. have put out um there's the videos there's the weekly qata if you can watch it online live stream so there's a lot now that's there that wasn't there i mean i'm i'm talking about prior to the conception of youtube and facebook when you know yeah. the internet you'd have to dial up on a modem to <laughs> to get on the internet um and i think and lots of laggers on it yeah, yeah yeah and i think <laughs> apart from yahoo messenger there was really no reason to <laughs> to um to go on there's no one who's going to message you um so that was a different time and i think there there are some issues around camps in terms of I think um uh you want to be going for the right reasons. Mm. So I think one of the things that I've seen since I've been I was thinking about aging myself and I was thinking I've been a sikh for 15 years now and I think sometimes people they need to go with the right intentions. If you're going there to meet God and you're going there to get closer to your guru and and um do sangat and do all of that then that's really good but I think um we were talking earlier about how the internal journey is really important and sometimes it's really easy to be or easier to be religious externally mm. to look the part and to be going through the motions yeah. but on the inside you don't you're kind of empty 100%. so or you're going there for the wrong reasons like you want to get married and you want to try and find somebody to get married to and all of that mm. kind of stuff mm. which which is easy for me to say because I didn't have that issue you know Gurukit yeah. Bag met a very lovely person and and she's my she's my uh, inspiration but um the time stamp this I can time stamp it and please send it <laughs> <laughs> but you know and and i know it's probably more challenging now for rishte and stuff because mm-hmm. when when i got married there was no internet so things were a bit simpler it was just through mm. networks but there's that aspect of it i think people need to be careful of mm. um there, there's <laughs> just making sure that you're going with the right intentions and so probably on the topic of marriage then what what would you look for then in a in a partner yeah so i think i think it's very individual and i think the dynamics of every relationship is very different so my friends who are who are still married grukupa they are very different to me and darshan kaur and me and darshan will be married grukupa i think it's going to be 11 years next month so you know we've we've been through um ups and downs but the dynamics of the individual we feel and from speaking to people who've been married for a very long period of time they they kind of concur regardless of whether they seek or not is that you need to have one person who's you know can be a bit fiery and with us that's darshan kaur <laughs> and um and the other person needs to be a bit passive because if you got two very kind of hot-headed very kind of strong-minded people it's very difficult to make a relationship work because mm. one will kind of you know back will go up you said this to me and then the other one won't back down you need one person who's going to be like satbachan you know mm. and mm. even if they don't agree they think okay bigger picture we're a team we need to make this work mm. so i'm going to just you know i'm going to back down and i think when you have that kind of dynamic it's really uh, there will be a there, there will be a fluctuation in terms of someone might be having a bad day might be tired might be stressed and that person might be ratty on that day but the the kind of emotions are very amplified when you're in a relationship when you're married so you you have to be in a relationship where you're going to be able to have that give and take and the person's going to give you the benefit of the doubt and you're going to be able to do that for them and i don't think necessarily it was looking at some brain science research and and men necessarily mature they're saying men become adults more likely in their 30s as opposed to when they're 18 okay. and women become adults a lot a lot younger in terms of their frontal frontal lobe and and their reasoning and all of those types of things so i think mm. i think um you know i wouldn't rush into marriage personally um and i would make sure you find the right person that's right for you in terms of i wouldn't 
be too concerned about looks because you have to live with that person for the rest of your life. You have to get on with that person for the rest of your life. So I'd look at personalities and how you guys get on together. Mm. And and usually before, when you meet somebody, if you don't know them for a long period of time, you might not get a true picture of their personality Andy. and people can change. Um, I'll tell you a funny story <laughs> about Darshan Kaur. So um, before we got married, I used to go to this Gurmukh's house to do Simran every evening. And um, when uh, when we were in, when we met each other and then we both said yes, and our families got involved. And um, I was like, oh, do you want to go to Simran in the evening? She was like, yeah, I want to go, I want to go. And then as soon as we got married, mm-hmm. she's like, I was like, oh, let's go to you know, um, Baji's house for Simran. She's like, I don't want to go. I was like, what? <laughs> you, you've been going for about six months. And she was like, yeah, I just went because I was just because you were going, but I don't actually want to go. <laughs> but now it's the opposite. Now mm. she tries to drag me along and I'm like, mm. no, I'm, I'm okay at home. And she's like, no, we have to go and <laughs> stuff. So you, you do have that give and take in relationships. But the, the, the point of the story was that you're going to grow together. You're going to develop together. You just want to find like a compatibility where you, you can think, okay, for the next 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, day in, day out, I can I can be in a position where I'm going to be able to have this person as a friend mm. and be able to get through the hard ups and downs, which they will be in marriage, okay. married life. That's a long, convoluted answer. <laughs> um, but yeah, I also, in terms from a Western perspective, I think it's important to have goals because if you don't know what you're aiming for, you have no idea if you're going to get there and uh, if you have got there. So if I was going to go back and do it again, which hopefully I won't, uh, I would look back and think, okay, well, I want I want the person to, my only criteria in Darshan was I wanted somebody who's somebody that when I see them, it inspires me to do Simran mm-hmm. and she is that person. Um, and that was the, my only criteria. But for some people, it might be somebody who, they want somebody to live with their mum mm-hmm. and dad. So that's going to be, if that's important to them, they need to, they need to highlight that at the outset. For some people, it might be they want somebody with a strong nitnam or certain characteristics and somebody who's humble. Mm. And, and so I think it's really important to have that in your mind before you meet the person because you can get so infatuated, infatuated with someone that you can overlook these things. Mm. And then afterwards, you're then they're very much amplified. Anji. So it's worth being sure. Thank you for that. You, you got your answer's question, Karamisi. So now. <laughs> <How are> you? <laughs> On the other hand, I think now there's more choice than ever. Mm. So I have patients of mine who are you know mid thirties. They're not married, and they have lots of they meet lots of people, and they have lots of options. And I think you know it's important to have some imita as well, and think, well, I'm not perfect myself, so that person is mm. not going to be perfect. So if it's a, if we're mm. both kind of growing and we're on on the same page that we both want to learn and develop and change to make mm. a relationship work, then that that's that's great. Anji. No, definitely. And uh, one thing that we was hoping to do in the future is have yourself and maybe Darshan Penji on together as well. So if we did it with the quiz night as well in Anji. March when we asked a few questions to the Sangat because that was a quiz night based around um, marriage as well, around the Nand Garage. Mm-hmm. Um, so then hopefully if people have more specific questions who are married, who are looking to get married, then they can get that, uh, that advice. So hopefully that's something we could do in the future as well. Yeah. And for, I think the male perspective, because she did a group where she did a marriage group for, I think it was for Seek Your Mind Charity. Mm. And I said, there's no point doing a marriage group where you have males and females together because the males aren't going to be open yeah. about mm. their issues that mm. they're having with their wives in front of their wives. Mm. So I think it's really important for men to have a platform where they can just, you know, even if it's a friend, a neighbor, somebody from school, a brother, 
a mm. cousin, someone where they can just have an open dialogue with and say, you know what, I'm really struggling with this. It might not be with marriage. It might just be the stresses and strains of daily life. Mm. But there is a big issue with kind of male mental health. And Andy. there's that there's that bravado in our community that, mm. you know, Kush Nihua shared about and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think it's toxic because mm. uh, everyone's going to have problems. And the problem when you air it and when you talk about it, it is halved. And if you just brush it under the carpet and think, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. Mm. It just tends to spiral and then, you know, things escalate. Anji, and, and actually, it's really good that you mentioned that point, because when I spoke to you back in May, when we did that quiz night, you mentioned stuff like this, that, like this then as well about, you know, even just things getting together and just, you know, doing Richard and that kind of like older brother kind of feeling like as in you got somebody you can speak to. Uh, and uh, even just by you saying that, it just opened my eyes to the idea that actually is good to speak to other people and therefore experience what you're going through as well. Um, yeah, I think it's really important to have somebody that you can be vulnerable with. Mm. So, uh, you know, I, I need to be able to call somebody and say, you know what, I'm really struggling with Darshaka at the moment because, mm. you know, we're having an argument about this or something, right? Mm. But if you don't have that and you're keeping that all bottled in, then I think it, it can be quite toxic. Mm -hmm. And I think women are a lot better at doing that than men are. Anji. They will call on a friend or call on, you know, their mom or uh, sister. But with men, it's kind of like, you know, you know nothing's happened and from mm. the outside everything looks great Anji. and then you hear you know that something's happened or that you know or they keep it like bottled in yeah mm. and and or they they lead to addictive behavior so gabby mate is a leading expert on addictions he he says you shouldn't say to somebody you, you know why are you addicted you got to say why are you in pain mm. because that that addiction is an anesthesia for pain that they're experiencing mm. and unfortunately a lot of people like myself aren't at the point where they can get enough solace or enough peace or enough healing from Gurbani in the state of mind that they're in. So they need, they need, they need worldly things. They need to have a brother to just, you know, hug and cry and say, you know, I'm really struggling in my marriage right now. Or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm really struggling with my baby doesn't sleep and I haven't slept in days and I have to go to work and I'm just, you know, I'm having arguments with my wife and that kind of stuff is real things that everybody goes through, mm -hmm. but we don't talk about. And I think that that's a problem. And I think that's a, a really important point that you made, VG, about the idea of even just doing part and stuff. And sometimes we feel like even by doing that, we're still struggling. And that is something that I definitely see today. A lot of people will do part uh, and then they'll be almost confused. Like, but I'm I'm doing the right things, but how come I'm still in pain? Um, but it's only when we speak to people that are have been through that, have experienced that, that we get a better understanding of it as well. So do you have any Richard on that as well? Any deeper uh, when it comes to the yeah. idea of... Someone could be doing sim when they, they could be ticking all the right boxes, but still, you know, they're still in this state, this mental state that they're struggling with. Yes. So Darshanko has a lot more expertise in that remit because, mm. and she gets a lot more messages and I, I read her comments and her messages and people will say, oh, you need to do more Bart and, you know, and I agree with that hundred percent. And I'm not by any means saying that somebody should, reduce the nitanam or do less simran mm. because in my hardest points of life that's what's got me through so i think that is very important but i think on top of that it's also very important to share your issues if you look at things from an evolutionary perspective hunter gatherers for example they the communities that still exist they work around five hours a day the rest of the time is spent with their brothers their their fathers there's they're very much they, they're not on social media they're not on you know coming back and watching tv they're having real life conversations where they're looking people in the eye and they're telling stories and they're talking about their day they're talking about their issues and and they're getting solace and encouragement and 
mentorship from the elders in their community. Mm. But I think there's a pandemic of loneliness. You can be in a house full of people and still be lonely. Angie. Because everyone's you know, attached to the screen or they're, they're in a different world. They're not really present. Mm. And that loneliness then can have lots of implications. So in terms of the Gurbani aspect and Simran aspect, I think that is key. Everything from a Western and Eastern perspective, everything stems from the thought. So if behavior is stems from a thought, habits stem from a thought. If you have, you know, my wife said this to me, how dare she say that to me? Or, you know, they call it Shabdi Chort, right? When I was talking to Elder Gursik and I said, uh, my wife said this to me and he goes, that's why the Shabd is more powerful than the bullet. Mm. Because a bullet will hit you and, you know, you'll be, you're in six months, you'll be completely back to normal. Three yeah. months, even if they break the femur, right? If it mm. goes through a femur, three months, you'll be back to normal. But Shabbat, someone can say something to you once and for your whole life that can sit with you. Yeah. That she said this to me or he said that to me. And so with, with Gurmantar, we can kill our vachar, we can lessen our vachar and we can stop that rumination where it's, he said this, she said that. I'm not going to go there because this person did this. or mm-hmm. And all of that baggage, all of that, all of that, all of those vachar, all of those thoughts, they, they can get to a point where they bombard a person so much that they can put people into really dark places. Mm-hmm. But through having conversations with people, through normalizing it, like if you say to me, well, Baji, I'm struggling with my wife. I was like, let me tell you about Darshan, you know, <laughs> I struggled as well. And that's completely normal. And then you think, okay, well, maybe it's not something wrong with my marriage. Maybe this isn't a normal part of marriage. There's seasons, there's going to be stormy seasons. There's going to mm-hmm. be springs and summers as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but unless you can have that conversation, both things are, I think, very necessary. And I was listening to some Qatar and they're, to- they're talking about the, I think 52 hukums of Guru Gobind Singh Ji. Anji. And one was related to um, having knowledge of politics and, and the, the Gatawachik was saying how, why would that be relevant you know, for a Sikh? And he was saying, unless you understand the workings of the world, it, it can be difficult for you. Yeah. So I think the same way in the marriage, it's important to understand the mechanics of a marriage, you know, the, in, important to understand the mechanics of father-son relationship. And, you know, the same way we appreciate when we go to school, we have to wear a uniform. We have to do these things. We have to say good morning to our teacher, right? Mm. There's, there's certain things, worldly things that we need to appreciate. And one of them as males is that we need to have some tap to release mm. emotions, stress, things that's building up. It might be mm. miscommunications, all of these types of things. And it might not be with your partner that you can do that with because they mm. might be most often the person that you're feeling those issues with because they're the person that's closest to you. Mm-hmm. So my mom and Darshan Kaur are the two people who could, if they wanted to, make me cry. Not that they do very, mm. not that they do, but <laughs> they they would know exactly the right things to say. So it's often the people that we are closest to, the people who love us the most, that we have the most conflict mm. with. Mm. So it's really important to understand how to navigate those relationships, and that's why networks are so important. Sangat is so important, mm. but also not just sangat where we're sitting together, but sangat that I I can trust that Gurmi Baji. I know if I tell him something, he's not going to go tell the Gwandi and put it on, you know, tell everybody else. And then my personal business is going to be, mm. um, everyone's going to know my, they're saying Punjabi and all mm. of that stuff. So I think it's very important to have a network of people that you can trust. If you can't access that, if you're not fortunate enough to have that in your life, then this counseling services is, there's professionals who, they have to keep confidentiality rules and all of that kind of stuff. So mm. that it's it's a shame for a marriage to break down or a relationship, you know, father-son relationship or any relationship to break down because 
people didn't access help that was available. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also important to go to the right people. Because I know as a Pracharik, you're probably getting thousands of people telling you their problems. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Darshan Kaur is a clinical psychologist. Mm-hmm. She has systems in place. Mm-hmm. So she has counseling herself mm-hmm. to help her deal with all the things that she's heard. Mm-hmm. So there's systems in place for people who are struggling and also for those people. So there's mm-hmm. certain things that if someone says to her, like if someone says, oh, you know, I feel like taking my life, mm-hmm. she has to take that very seriously and she has to alert the services that will be able to be there for that person, mm-hmm. like a crisis, crisis hotline. So those types of things are really important. So you, mm-hmm. you seek help from those around you, your loved ones, and mm-hmm. from the people that I've interviewed, they who have gone through depression, who have gone through really dark times, it's it's been the the, the random auntie in the Gurdwara who you know gave them a hug and just cried with them, or mm. it's been that been that big brother who was there for them when they needed them. It's been those relationships that have been the most mm. important in that person's life, Andrew. as opposed to anything else. Mm. Um, and then that person can grow their relationship with Gurbani and Simran. But it, it, let's let's say if I if I want to do Simran, right? Gurbani says Vichar Mare Tare Tare Nave. If I want to sit down and kill my thoughts and do meditation and I've just had an argument with my wife, mm. like, logically is that possible? I'm gonna be thinking, what did she just say to me? Mm. What you know, how did she's done this and last year she did this and once upon a time she said this to me and that's all going to be playing in my head. But if we're sitting together and we do some kirtan together and we're doing vichar together, my, my I'm present. My mind is there. Anji. And that's what I really need at that point in time. Mm. That presence, not not just sitting there. My mouth is reading Gurbani. My mouth is doing Simran, but my mind is still arguing with my wife. Mm-hmm-hmm. So, you know, Shabbat and Gurbani did Shabbat na kare vichar and har har kare like the whole world is doing Vaigu Simran for Mer Nasaketoe. So like there's you have to be presence of mind is really important with anything you do. If you went to school and you you were thinking about something else and your teacher mm. said to you, Oh, what did I just say? Anji. You have no idea. So mm. I think it's both things are really important. I think what you've done, everything you just spoke about is, is really amazing and it's it's really normalizing it just when you're talking about because I'm sure a lot of people, even myself a few years ago, like we just went we were just following to this. Uh, but now having all these conversations that like even with Benji and yourself, it just normalizes. And a lot of times, I'm sure a lot of people listen to this as well, including ourselves, kind of relate to these things. But we never actually thought about it. It's almost like we've been asleep to it. Uh, I not realize that actually we do have emotions and we should speak about it. Uh, even the idea of, of the mind and that our mind, like you're saying, that um, when we have a fight or dispute, whether it's with our siblings or in your case, if it's your partner as well, uh, then it doesn't sit still. And it reminds me of a really cool Saki that I heard um, in a gutter, um, and it was about Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj, and a Sikh came to them, uh, and they were saying that uh, my mind doesn't sit still, uh, and the Guru said, "You're saying that that's great, right?" And they're saying, "Nay, Maharaj, they go, my mind is not sitting still." And Maharaj, that's great, you, you're so blessed, right? And they go, "But why are you saying this to me for that? <laughs> I'm telling you, I can't, I can't focus." And the Guru said, "You say to him, you're so blessed because you realize now that you can't focus, that your mind doesn't sit still." Because a lot of us, for many years, what you're speaking about earlier is about like the external Sikhi. And we do it for many years and we go through the motions. But for many, many years, we may be doing our part, but never be present. But we just tick the box. Um, and then now we realize, actually, I wasn't paying attention. My, my mind wasn't, it wasn't joining to the Shabbat. Uh, so I think uh, first thing is that it's, it's great to see that you're, you're normalizing this so much. And now we realize that actually we should pay more attention 
uh, to Oman if we're going through something uh, then we should definitely try and reach out and speak to other people about it as well um, and just another point that I want to talk about was the the idea of uh, Sangat then as well and just the, the importance of Sangat if you could just touch upon that a bit more if you don't mind Anji so to, to go back to your last point <laughs> I did a podcast with uh, uh, Gurpreet Singh the Sikh dad Anji and he was talking me and Darshan were on there and we were talking about our issues they had a Sikh parent they have a Sikh parenting group and he said in all of his years in Sikhi he's never had a couple in Sikhi say that they have any issues mm. and I think that is a downfall in our community where we can't be open enough to say actually it's normal you know what you're going through is normal mm. every marriage has problems and you know these are things that might help or it might just need time you know time is a great healer mm. so I think that's that's something that a seva that you know basics is really doing a great seva with these podcasts because they're bringing real life people and their experiences and a window into their lives mm. and I think that's that's really important because as as the external people that we might look up to they have problems in their marriage as well, you know. The Panjabiyari, I'm sure they have problems in their marriage, right, mm. and with their kids. It's really important that we we kind of normalize this stuff. Otherwise, we think, oh, there's something wrong with me, or mm. there's something, it's only in my family that I have problems, everybody else is suki. But we, mm. we read Gubani, it says, you know, like every house is on fire. So I think Sangat's important. Firstly, you said earlier before, before we went um, on air, Satsangat kaisi jaaniye jithe eko naam vakhaniye Nitya jayet satsangati jithe harka har naam baloye Like you have to find Sangat that does Simran You have to find Sangat that has a thirst for meeting God mm. If they're just there because you know their mom makes them go good on every Sunday That's mm. good too mm. But really you're going to be a reflection of the people that you spend time with yeah. So if you can choose to surround yourself with the the best possible people then that's going to that's going to really help you in life and in bandagi nama pairagbir singh beer's book he says sometimes it's beneficial to do sangat of books mm. because you have these gursikhs who have been through it they've met god and they're telling you these are the issues we had these are how we overcame them Anji. and it's it's going to be very difficult for you and i to walk down the street mm. and meet somebody like that yeah. and and there's a wealth of literature and there's a wealth of content with basics that Gursikhs have taken time, like you've done five years of hard work doing Koj of Gurbani to do present that to Sangat. So I think it's it's very important to utilize those things as well as in-person mm. people as well. Because there may be some people who don't have access to Gurukar local to them. Mm. They, they may not have access to things around them. I know Anji. other parts of the UK aren't as blessed as we are mm-hmm. uh, in London, Birmingham, um, Scotland, we're kind of key hubs. But in terms of what I would look for in Sangat is, is, is just that, you know, when I would talk to elder Singhs, they would go, they would say, if you go to a place and people are doing Nindya, people are talking about other people, then just leave that place. You know, if you go somewhere and they're doing Gurbani Vichar, they're reading Gurbani or they're doing Simran, just sit in that place and just absorb it mm-hmm. and then just leave. You don't mm-hmm. need to get involved in politics of, you know, he said, she said, all of that kind of stuff. Mm. It's life is short. You want to get the most from it, and you know my friends that I did Thai boxing with, we have a a mutually we have a relationship. We have an understanding that we train together, and that's why we have this strong bond. Mm. 
And I feel like with Sangat, if you have an understanding that when you and I are going to get together, we're going to do Simran together. Mm. You know, that's a beautiful relationship to have. You're, you're not going to be like, oh yeah, he's just using me for Simran. <laughs> you're going to be like, actually, this is helping me, you know, and we can grow together. Anji. So if you can find even one person like that, mm. you know, you're very, very blessed. And, I, you know, I, I used to pray for that. Anji. And you know, Guru Kirpa, I found it and I found Darshan Kaur. And... There's by Rama Singh's book he talks about in there. He said he used to pray that he just wish he wishes he could find a Gursik family that he could go and do Amrit Villa with. And you know, Darshan Kul says when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right? So mm-hmm. if we really have that book and that bias that we really want to meet somebody who's you know really thirsty, really hungry to meet God and has that mm-hmm. has that sharda and that um, book, then you know God will. I'm I'm confident God will. Bring that person into our life And And By Rigby Singh Beer In his book Bandagi Nama He says He says If you said to a kid in India What's two times two He would say four And if you said to him Why why isn't it five And he actually He actually said He went up to kids And said this And they go Are you silly Like mm. you Have you lost your marbles Like <laughs> why, why would two And he goes Yeah but how do you know it's, How do you know it's four mm. How do you know it's not five And he mm. said Because my teacher told me mm. Right And he goes That kid has so much faith that my teacher told me this, that this is true. Mm. But he goes like, that's the kind of faith we need to have in our guru. Mm. That guru says you can meet God. Guru right. says that you can find true Sangat. Mm. That if guru says, guru says, mm. like if guru says it is possible, then we need to have that sharda that mm. if this is what it says in Gurbani, then it's 100% achievable and it's 100% True and we can find Sangat like this I like these little gems That you're chucking in with you. I love them so much They're just sticking inside me And that, that's another question then About the idea of faith mm-hmm. How important is faith And for somebody who is Struggling to have faith Where does, does that come from Sangat then Is that from eternal Do we do Ardas for that What would you say on that G I think all of those things mm-hmm. And you guys have more <coughs> faith than I do So you guys know more about that But in terms of in terms of like Sharda, there's been Gursiks who they've met another Gursik and they've started crying. And mm. I look at them and think, I wish I had that much love, mm. you know, mm. like where is that person? Oh, they would hear a Shabbat and they would just be in tears mm. just because it has so much thought on them. And I'm sitting there thinking about mortgage payments or something, right? And I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, why can't my mind be that Nirmal mm. as this person's? Mm. And I think if you can have those kind of people in your life, who mm. you're very blessed and they will rub off on you. Andy. And just a point from earlier when you spoke about um, even if somebody just went to the Godala side and they met Auntie G there and they just hugged them uh, and that just helped them so much. It just reminded me of one, one of my most used shabbas that I do in Qatar. Uh, it's about Mata Kiviji. Uh, when they speak about Mata Kiviji in Gurbani, they say, Balavanda Kivi Nekajan, just a Bahuti Chapatarali. So it's one of the poets and they're writing about Guru Angad Devji's wife, Mata Kiviji. They say that she's a very virtuous person. Uh, like a tree that has a lot of leaves on it Meaning that when we sit under a very leafy tree uh, In the summer, it gives us shade It cools us down And they're saying that's just like Mata Kiviji That people would go to Mata Kiviji And they would get that shanti They would get that peace So again, it kind of fits in with the idea of that You know, people did their Gurbani job But they also did vichar And they would share their feelings with the people around them. And they knew there's someone like Mata Kiviji that can go and speak to. And by speaking to her, she's she's going to calm me down. And she's going to take away that anger that I might be burning with uh, on the inside or the lust or whatever the the emotion is they're going through at that time. So far, I'll just chuck that in there as well. I think that's that's a really beautiful um, 
beautiful story. And I think that's hundred percent true. You could, you could be going through some really internal, some, you know, on fires on the inside. Mm. And then you could meet somebody like see a Gorsik and you, you know, it just, mm. just cools your mind and just cools you from the inside. I think I, it's really sad also <laughs> that nowadays in Western society, maybe more that we're pushed for more like individualism. We're pushed like, oh, you have to do everything yourself, you know, and like you're, it's you against the world. But in reality, we had that support network back in the day mm. in the bins and stuff mm. that everyone would help out each other, you know, you'd be like a big family. Mm. So that's what I feel like all these rates of like depression, anxiety, all these things, mm. they've they started increasing because we've lost that, I feel. I agree 100%. And I think, I think we have, you know, hundreds of, I can't remember the quote, but hundreds of friends on Facebook, but like none in real life, right? Yeah. So if you think about I read one study and it said the average couple spend something like 14 minutes a day together. Wow. And um, in terms of actually having a conversation, you think you're married to somebody, that's your Sanjogi, that's the closest Sanjogi you've had in previous gentlemen to be giving that birth together. And you, we get such little time together. But there, there is this modern issue of social media and we, we present ourselves to be a certain way on the outside. But actually inside we're dukkhi, inside we're unhappy, inside we're not content. And if we had those relationships, if we had that, and in those days, the community was a lot smaller. How many people did you know, people inside your pind? Mm. I've met people in India who've never been outside their pind in their lives. Mm. So that their whole life is that community. Anji. And and so, you know, the cohesiveness, the, there's that, there's, Darshan Kaur told me not to talk too much. Uh, she said, don't talk too much, but she also <laughs> please said, don't, please don't, talk a lot. She also please said do. don't try and sound clever because the more you do that, the less clever you sound. So. <laughs> but there's a book called The Village Effect and they looked at these, these Itali this Italian community and in Italy, they didn't have heart disease, they didn't have cancer, they didn't have the common diseases that everyone gets. Mm. So they thought, let's study them and let's see what they do. And then when they, went, they migrated to New York, it's called Rosetta, the place that they moved to, they started getting the same diseases. So I thought, okay, let's, what are they doing differently? And what they found was they they would like the whole community, the whole bind would get together every Sunday and would after church, they would go to church together and then they'd have longer together. They'd have a communal meal together. Mm. They had three, four generations in one household. So all of these very protective things have been lost in, in Western culture. And we're getting more and more away from those, those historic values that we've held. And as a result, it's causing issues like isolation and there's studies on breast cancer and survival rates jump massively when someone just has a friend compared to someone who says they don't have someone they consider a close friend. And that's got nothing to do with smoking, diet, mm -hmm. exercise. That's simply from just having someone that you can have a heart to heart with. And just the point you raised earlier, Vij, as well about this idea of a pandemic or like loneliness, uh, which is a, a big issue um, in today's world, especially with social media that, you could be online to have so many friends, but really you're lonely. Um, but especially in today's world right now, especially with the pandemic and COVID going on as well, um, of course, you've heard that, you know, levels of mental health have just spiked to another level. Um, so what is your reach out on that? Do you think, because I think today a lot of people are struggling. I hear it all the time now. So people say because of COVID, X or Y has got, X, Y person has gone crazy, right? So, um, but I think a lot of people, if they just realize that it's difficult times, then maybe they'd feel a bit like it's normalized. Um, so do you have any reach out on that as well, VG? For especially those that are listening as well, that we're going through something and they may be even more lonely now because they're already lonely in the first place because of the way we program now in the Western world, but now even more lonely because we're limited to what we can actually do as well. Yes. So firstly I'd say that 
I I've been through it when uh, when COVID hit. I was just stuck at home, and I'm not used to being at home. Mm. And uh, as much as I love my kids and my wife, it it was not being able to leave the house, not being able to go to a coffee shop, not being able to have interaction with adults. Um, outside of my wife, it was it was it was a very challenging time. I was doing things like binging on Netflix and and just not feeling great. Mm. But they, I saw, so I I completely understand in some in in the small amount of experience that I have had with that type of thing. Um, I would say so find sangat in books, find sangat in even one person that you can sit down and do that aside with, or it's really that human interaction is really impossible really important so i think world health organization is now ice in some countries at least banned solitary confinement even in prisons because mm. they see it as a, a type of torture mm. so and that's what essentially we were doing for the last 18 months was mm. you know confining people especially the elderly to not being able to go gudwara anymore yeah. you know all of their types <coughs> of human interaction taking that away from them mm. and and that's very very dangerous 100% um and so just to jump in even with my grandparents with nani nana ji cuz they would go godora sab every single day and due to covid they couldn't go and uh, their health deteriorated to a whole new level even like signs of dementia started coming like my nani ji just because of those 18 months and i'm sure a lot of people have uh, seen the same thing with their parents and their grandparents as well absolutely and there's studies on couples when when the wife passes away mm. there's a correlation between the husband passing away very soon afterwards because of that that husbands aren't as good as uh, having <laughs> <laughs> networks of friends and and um this data on that as well after your 30s uh, men are less able to make new friends and and maintain those relationships and connections which require time and investment so yeah find somebody find somebody that you can you know have something in common with doesn't need to be secure related i would say if you can find a like someone you can go for a run with mm. someone you can you know walk the dog with or you know all of those types of things but the main thing is that it's uh, you're not by you're not on your own it, this would happen to anybody who is isolated for a long period of time and um you want to create systems small tiny habits that are achievable and maintainable main, that you can maintain and you can do every day so it might be instead of thinking oh, i'm going to go for a run every day because i feel better that clears my head and makes me feel better releases endorphins uh balances neurochemicals in terms of depression and stuff it can help with all of those types of things say so just say you're going to run up to the end of the street or do a pedestrian cross say okay do um 30 seconds of skipping so it's very important not to set yourself up for failure just start with very easy things to do that you can do because when you're feeling down and isolated it's very difficult to do to kind mm. of find the energy to go and run a marathon that type of stuff mm. so um run like running exercise any form of that anything positive in your life oh. like having a smoothie like uh, working on your diet um getting a getting a pet the dogs dogs are good for mental health mm-hmm. um you know going to any kind of community center or any kind of group whether that's like a online chess club some kind of ways that you can connect with people mm-hmm. and get out of your own head is really important books any any kind of way basics mm-hmm. content online i like i keep plugging basics <laughs> it's it's true i mean that that before when i got into sikhi what was there if you want to like i mm-hmm. i didn't understand punjabi mm-hmm. I still don't have a great understanding of it but what what were you going to do if you wanted to learn more about sikhi mm. there was there was nothing anji i'm probably just on the topic of uh, fitness now because uh, I, i used to watch all your vlogs and videos and you had a whole uh, debate as well with someone as well right about like was it a six pack or something 
I can't remember. It was, I have a lot of debates. I, I, you make a lot of like fitness style content as well, right? For the past couple of years. So like what inspired you to go into more, like put yourself out there as that kind of like influencer, if you can say. Yeah, I think before I got into Sikki, before I knew anything about Sikki, mm-hmm. I was into fitness. So I used to tie box, I used to compete. I went to Thailand to train. So I, I think at 15, I thought I don't want to get bullied. I watched Karate Kid and Rocky and that was it. I got a pump and thought, that's it. I'm going to start <laughs> learning some kind of martial arts. So I started with kickboxing and then at 16, changed to Muay Thai and then did that up until my mom got ill with cancer, stopped training. And then after I got into Sikhi, I actually stopped training completely, started having a lot of prashad, got, <laughs> got a tummy and would go, you know, the whole day without eating and and then just have longer in the evening. So my diet wasn't great. And um, then afterwards, after my brother passed away, um, I started to think, okay, well, I want to be around for my kids and and do. I understand that everything your swasa written for young kale sabdevasas nevadan katan tilsar, but it's important to do your own endeavor, to do your own effort. So I started running and getting back into training, and, and now I do Thai boxing, wrestling, do all those types of things, and I try and promote in the community because I think it's a shame when. If we're meant to be saint soldiers and if something happened on the street mm. and we weren't able to do anything, then it's a shame. Like, well, you know, how can we, how can we help somebody else if we can't help ourselves? Mm. So I think if you look at the military, they have a basic standard. You need to run a mile in X amount of time. You need to be able to do X amount of press-ups in a minute, X amount of pull-ups. Mm. I think we should have some kind of standard as sings. Okay, you know what? You should be able to at least run to the bus stop, you know, yeah. or 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 you know, like help your mom out with the das kilo atte da bora. You know, the basic things that 25 I think. Twenty five, right here. Yeah, twenty five. <laughs> so, but you know, we it's it's heartbreaking when I see a young sing who can't sit because his back's so bad, or his chonkra, like he can't mm. sit in chonkra because his knees are so bad, and you think, mm. you know, like. Historically, people would say, you know, Buddha ho gaya hon pagti karan bat, you know, mm. sit eight, ten hours a day, do pagti and stuff. You think, like, oh, we're going to mess our bodies up so much that by the time we get to 40, we're not going to be able to do anything. Yeah. yeah. So it's really important to, you know, look after her mandare sarira. It's really mm. important to look after this temple of God mm. and just put in a little bit of time and investment. Mm. Because otherwise, when problems develop, it's very hard to reverse them. If you get diabetes type 2, it's very hard to reverse that. Mm. Blood pressure, all things that we're very prone to once it's happened. Mm. So if we can take little, little tiny steps each day, little, little behavior changes, little, little habit changes to try and make sure that we're, we're in good health till we're old, mm. then I think that's... that's it's, it's like our grandparents' generation. They were like so physical. They used to like walk everywhere, walk miles to like grab whatever water pitches we live in a lot of comfort now we just drive everywhere even down the road two Anji. minutes to I'll, I'll drive I won't even walk and he still drives it yeah. I was thinking on the way here when I used to go and see Bajagraj Singh in hospital I used to cycle to the hospital that's 12 and a half miles wow one way mm. and I could have driven but I thought I'd get some exercise at the same time mm. so and actually during rush hour sometimes things take the same amount of time cycling yeah. as they mm. would as they would, especially with parking and all of the other considerations. Yeah. So if you can fit things into your lifestyle, like if you're going to go Guru Karin, it's not too far and mm. you can cycle there. And then if it takes five minutes extra parking your bike up or locking it up, you know, at, least you're, at least you're getting your heart working. Your, there's, there's research on brain development and memory and cognition. 
and students who exercise for 30 minutes before starting school, they perform a lot better in the exams. So there's, there's benefits all around. It helps mm. professionally, not just not just in terms of being able to sit and yeah. preventing diabetes, that type of stuff. But well, you touched upon Baiji Garaj Singh as well and your time you spent with them. Um, yeah. Did you want to speak more about that? Because I know when we spoke initially, that was something you're quite passionate about as well, speaking about Baiji Sabji. Yeah. So when, when I actually, I didn't know Baisab that well up until they got ill. Mm. I had seen their content on TV, uh, on the Sikh channels and on YouTube. And so I was, I was an admirer, mm. but I didn't have the opportunity. And I'm quite a shy, introverted person outside of social media. Mm. So I'm not necessarily the person to go up to somebody and start talking to them. And then when he got ill, one of the other things, um, Hajiz Singh from SWAT, he said, oh, you know, there's this thing he does. He's an osteopath. He can potentially help if he's involved. So I used to go into hospital to um, do treatments. The first time I met him, I was obviously very intimidated. There's a Gurmukh person this, uh, that I'm going to meet. And I walked in there and he just gave me the biggest smile, somebody I've never met before. Mm. And he called me towards him. He gave me a hug and stuff. Mm. And it was just, it was just, I felt so much love from somebody that I didn't even know. Mm. And um, he put me completely at ease. And there's a story I shared on Instagram about a time when I, I was doing Malisha, I got to do Malisha of him and uh, he would fall, he would be in and out of sleep during this time and uh, it was just, it was probably about one o'clock in the morning and he woke up and he said, oh, should we do some Simran thing? Mm. And I said, yeah, and then we did some Simran and then we were both in tears. It was just, it was a very unique and very powerful experience. Mm. And so I feel blessed to have had that opportunity. Thank, thank thanks to him but the story i wanted to share was actually the last time i saw him was around two two days before he passed away and uh, he came over to the house and um we did treatment and then he he was he was writing a prologue for a book at that period of time and uh, he said to me oh if you ever need anything from me and this is somebody who's you know he's two days away from passing away he was very very ill at that period of time mm. and i was thinking even at that point in time He's thinking about how can he help me, you know, how mm. can he do seva in some way? And so that really touched me because I thought even, you know, even in his, when he's struggling with his health and mm. all of these challenges that he must be experiencing um, internally and externally, mm. not being able to do what he wants to be able to do, uh, he's still thinking about the other person. How mm. can he help this other person and how can he benefit them and how can he do seva in some way? And, um, I gave him a hug, I gave him a kiss on his forehead and I, I said, I'll see you soon. And uh, that was the last time I ever saw him. Mm. I found out a couple of days later that he'd passed. Mm. But it's just remarkable, you know. I've been there when a few people have passed away, family members, and but done nothing like that, never mm. experienced. And uh, even when they did pass away, it was, it was quite beautiful in the respect that when the, the family was around the house, there was so much joy and happiness because of all the Gurbani as being played. So I remember this one, uh, a came to the house and you walk into the house very seriously. Like, you know, everyone's going to be upset and stuff. Everyone's in, in Jardikla because uh, when Pai Sabji um, did leave their physical body, then just literally Gurbani job was happening for 10 days straight at the house of Sage Bhatt Sahib, reading of Guru Granth Sahib Ji, Geetan in the morning, Gatha in the morning, Gatha in the evening. So many great souls coming to the house. And uh, one thing <laughs> I was I thought to myself at that time was that you know, there's, there's such a great Guru Sikh that even now they left their body, their body physically, 
they're still blessing everyone with their seva mm. and with seva in general, right? Mm. Um, so definitely very jadidikala. Mm. Uh, I, I was very blessed as well <laughs> to spend time with them uh, before they pass as well. And everything that you say, I can just echo it as well. This very jadidikala and high spirits uh, the whole time. Um, and it kind of goes back to the start of the podcast because um, you talked about meeting many great people on, on your journey as well. Um, through the the work of being an osteopath as well, uh, but we never actually got to finish off your kind of journey to Sikhi. Um, we stopped at like university, and then we went in this different direction. So, do you mind continuing just letting us know what happened after university? Because I can relate a lot because I came into Sikhi in university as well, uh, which is strange for people to think about because you'd think at university most people they get kind of caught up in that uni life and they go in that direction. But at the same time. Uh, like yourself, myself, and other people, they actually can end up going in a different direction. Yeah, by the grass things, he was. Uh, uh, it was around uni time. Yeah, they were in their early twenties uh, when they came to Sikhi as well, and it's during the uni time as well. So, uh, would you like to continue on the life yes. of Bhai Harbir Singh? <laughs> <laughs> so, I was I was talking to Dashko about this, and I thought I said, "How many things can I mention that won't incriminate me?" <laughs> and uh, that I can't get prosecuted for, and she was like, "Do you really need to go down that road?" But um, I was probably a typical Punjabi guy, and you know, getting into fights. I didn't drink because of Thai boxing, thankfully. Mm. But used to go out and uh, clubbing a lot and uh, normal, typical guy stuff. And then there were a few misses. Now that I think there's one actually story that I'll tell, which uh, which was when we were going to a fight. And my cousin was in the car with me, and um, a professional fight, just like no, no, it oh. was it was somebody had got bottled at okay. our university, mm. and so I got a phone call, and I was training with my cousin, and um, me and him are like brothers, so we were driving, we got in the car, it's probably about one o'clock at night, we were driving to the the place Royal Holloway, and there were two cars. One of my friends, he joined us. Coincidentally, he was coming back at the same time from an event that he went to. And then we ran red lights and um, a car smashed into my car because it was a cross junction. And um, my cousin it hit the front of the car. So if, the, if it was a split second difference, it would have hit him. Mm. You know, he wouldn't be here today. And I would have had to live for the rest of my life knowing that I was responsible for that. Mm. And so lots of lots of near misses like that that I've had, and I just look back now and think, if you know something had gone a little bit different here, or I you know I would be in a completely different place. Mm. So I thank Maharaj for getting me to where I am today. Mm. I have a beautiful family, beautiful wife, and and none of that would have happened if I had continued down the road I was going down. Mm. If I hadn't got into Sikhi, Andy. and since I've got into Sikhi, you know all of that stopped. I haven't got in trouble for anything mm. apart from at home from Dushan Court. No skipping but, red lights anymore. <laughs> no skipping the lights. I'm the slowest driver. I was taking these um this family to the good daughter once. Angie. And um the guy, the little kid in the back goes, Mom, mom, can we give that uncle some money? And she goes, why? She goes, he goes, because he's driving so slow, I think he's running out of petrol. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's how conservatively I drive at the moment. <laughs> But so that was kind of normal, kind of typical Punjabi hooligan type lifestyle I had, mm. and then and then when I got into Sikhi, it was it was just trying to I thought if it's possible to meet God, I, w- I want to try. So then it was trying to put in a lot of time to doing that. Um, so there were periods where 
it was really good just sitting for long periods of time. And they got to have sangat with lots of people. Uh, the plan was to finish university, go to India for a year and try and um, stay in a Gurdwara there and try and um, do um, Simran there in India. And I went to a few different places, found one place that I really was getting a lot from. So stayed there, but I had already met Darshan Koenshu saying, you can't go for a year, you can go for a little bit of time. <laughs> so I went for a little bit of time. And then when we got married, then we both went together to India. We went to do a Bias there. And that was amazing because you're going from, you're going from doing, you know, like 12 hours a day when you're in India in mm. Sangat of like 10,000 people. Mm. And there's no way that's not going to have an impact mm. on somebody's life. Mm. And the Singhs there were saying, if you start off your marriage like that, mm. then it's going to help you later on in, in life you mm. know, as a couple. And they gave the analogy of um, a, a scooter because those are, very popular in India. And they said, if the alignment isn't good on the wheels, then you have a very bumpy ride. And they yeah. said, marriage is the same. If you can do Simran together, your alignment will be the same. Your vichar will be the same. And so the marriage journey will be a lot smoother for you. Mm. So that was a really, even though we actually stayed separately at the camps, the Simran camps, um, and beyond don't get to interact with men. So we, we didn't actually get to speak to each other. That was actually a, a really beautiful start to, and Darshan Gore accredits that to a lot of things. Mm. So that that was probably the biggest transition point because then I thought, actually, this isn't just theoretical. Firstly, I thought nothing, none of the things that Gurbani say in terms of, you know, Serge and all of these things, all of these experiences and and character changing was a big thing for me because I saw a Singh who had gone to India to do Simran and he came back and he was different. Mm. And, you know, he was... He was a much nicer person. He was humbler. And I thought, I want I want to be like that. I want to change. Mm. I thought, wow, change is possible through Gurbani and Simran. So when I went there, I thought, well, none of this is going to happen to me because I've done so many bad things in my life already. But if I can just get a chance to do Sangat and Seva of these people, then hopefully rub off on me. And got to, wow. do, yeah, got to have lots of experiences there in India, which have really helped me in Darshan Gore later on in life because now... You know, Guru Kirpa, we have a strong, relatively strong faith because we have our own experiences. Mm. So we think, okay, well, you know, nobody can kind of tell us this or that because we've ex yeah, mm. had our own personal mm. relationship with, with Guru. And you mentioned a lot about this stuff happening in India, just as one example. Um, and something that I kind of realized myself, um, I don't know if you feel the same, that when you go to India, it's sometimes a bit easier to do Pagati. And connect. I find it with any Asian country generally. I don't know if it's just obviously maybe we're not exposed as much because we're not on our phones as much and stuff like that. But just the land itself, uh, that's where our gurus were, right? Physically, uh, I think there's something so beautiful about driving past somewhere and thinking, you know, Gurunas Charam on this land, yeah. you know, there's shortest mm. out there, mm. Shaheed on, at this place. There's mm. something really powerful. You, you're driving, even if you've got your eyes closed. You're driving along, you open your eyes, you see in Punjab in particular, you see Nishan Sahibs everywhere. Yeah. It's like constant reminders. Mm. Mm. Um, and and I think, what, what as you said, being disconnected from work, university, all of those types of things, you're only there for one purpose. Yeah. And I think that's very powerful. Mm. And Kursik was telling me about a yatra that they do, um, the Soho Road, Nishkam Jatha. And he said that when they do a yatra, as soon as you step foot outside your house, the Yatra starts there. So you start your Simran Bhakti there. You're not allowed to do any other like useless gala. 
and even from there on onto the plane, onto the whole trip, and even on the way home, until you get back into your house, you're doing Simran, you're doing like Bart, and that kind of environment, those experiences are what really builds your character, right? 100%. I think if you can have, there's no way you're not going to have a good journey. If you're doing Gurbani Vichar, doing, you know, Koji Gurbani, reading Gurbani, doing Simran, listening to Kirtan, listening to Katha, how can it not be just the most amazing time? Mm. And actually, we've been, we've traveled around the world. And when I say to Darshan Kaur, and my, we, we, um, and she says the same thing to me, where's your favorite place in the world? It's actually in the Gurdwara, in Sangha, doing Simran. Mm. Like, that, that's our favorite place. Right. Not Cyprus, not Maldives, Mauritius, all <laughs> these places. Mm. So, it's incredible. It's incredible. And what is there? Because in India, when we used to go, it was frigid, it was freezing. You're wearing like 16 layers. You're, you're <laughs> sleeping in your jacket because it's mm. so cold. Mm. She would have bruises on her body because you're sleeping on the floor and mm. she's bruises easily. And um, so it's a very harsh, you got frogs around, snakes, right? Mm. <laughs> so, and you got sukhi roti like twice a day. And, um, you know, it's guru's langa, it's beautiful. But it's very different to Western life where you have yeah. so many comforts. Mm. And, and But that was the most happiest the nicest time we've ever had was mm. there when we were like Baji mm. was saying, where mm. we were surrounded by there was no Faltu Galla, there was no mm. you're talking about other stuff. It was just Gurbani and Simran and Kirtan mm. and Gata. And I think that's something I think we would all recommend to everyone uh, is that especially when we're younger, when we go to India, it was like we had to go to the Pind and just stay in the Pind and you didn't really enjoy India. But when I got to go on my own when I was older, I'll just go and do Yatara, I'll go to different Astans. And then you can you can experience these things. What is so beautiful about India is our itihas, our history, our gurus, and you can go and you know you can meditate, you can do these things as well, right? Uh, and then because people, in my family always joke about like, why well, do I want to go to India? For India is not a holiday, <laughs> right? Even yesterday, actually, my cousins were over. She's saying as well, I'm not going to go to India. That's not a holiday. But in my head is like, that's where you gotta go. You go to India, right? Mm. That's the place to be. And even like the diet there is because it's so simple <laughs> and all like organic food, right? That, that on its own makes such a big difference. Manji. I think when I well, I spent a year in India, or well, probably longer than that, when I was a kid, because my parents had just emigrated. Mm. My my dad had been here since he was a kid, but my my mom came over when she got married to my dad, and they had kids, so they we stayed with my nana nani in India. Mm. And um, I don't remember anyone being overweight in those days. Mm. In This is going back probably early 90s or actually late 80s. There was no obesity. What were you going to have? Roti and dal. How are you going to get obese yeah. on just roti and dal plus you're doing keti body, yeah. you're doing hard physical labor. Mm. There's no TV. We're, you're not even going to sit. You're going to be playing outside all day, playing marbles, <laughs> you know, playing with the other kids in the bind. Mm. It was a very, it was a very nice life. I, I really enjoy, thoroughly enjoyed my time in India and going back to what you're saying I had some genetic testing done and according to the genetic test they, they can place you in terms of geography so for thousands of years I've my lineage has been in Punjab so there's a very strong connection and I think it's important for us to have some connection with where mm. we come from it's Guru Starti it's also where generations of our ancestors have, mm. have lived and grown up and Bit of a random question for you then is that, like, for example, me and Kadavi Singh, we do suffer with um, eczema sometimes as well, bad mm -hmm. skin. And one of his theories, it's actually a good one, is that, and it happens actually when we go back to India, our skin just naturally gets better. Do you have any like idea why that is the case? Is just because that's what our body's used to, or yeah, that that's an interesting one. And I 
I've heard of that from lots of different patients. Mm. Even even going to Canada for some reason, they they feel better in Canada. Yeah, and certain conditions. I th- think it could be multiple factors, but um, eczema is one of those conditions. It's there's is so multifaceted. Mm. And like stress can be a component, diet can be a component, water quality can be a component, pollution. Mm. So all of these things play play into it. So that was my random question. Checking <laughs> because I got very excited there. You got anything of us? I'll carry on. I've got another no, juicy yeah, question. It, it kind of links to everything we just been talking about now as well, and the, and the simplicity of of you know the 1990s, for example, mm-hmm. uh, and um, it kind of links to which we weren't going to talk about, but I thought we were going to talk about, so we're going to talk about it, which is SEO and this whole social media hype, uh, because again, that is having a big effect on a lot of people today. And um, I know that last podcast you did with Good Beat God. Even the title was quite of a clickbaity one as well about never use social media, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, but and by has... the way, Faji's podcasts are really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> you have to check them out. Check them out, definitely. We'll put a link in the description on YouTube. Yeah. You can put like a, in the screen as well, so that you got your shout as well. Thank you. <laughs> he didn't tell us. I know. I know. Bad joke. I got bad jokes. He's learned now. Already got bad jokes. But anyway, but the idea of SEO. Um. Um. What does SEO stand for again? engine optimization uh, and all these kind of different uh, things and how it's affecting us today because the reason I want to talk about this as well is because us now doing Parachad we have to be very conscious of these things as well uh, how we're almost tailoring our Parachad because we see ourselves if we put a gutter on YouTube one hour gutter it's only going to get like a thousand views or two thousand views uh, so we have to be very conscious about how we make our videos now what is the first five seconds going to be like in the video and I know you've done a lot of research into this stuff as well uh, so <laughs> how does that affect uh, the type of saver that you're doing now as well I think neuroscience plays a big factor into making all of these different platforms and if you go on YouTube which is another platform mm. and type in why you shouldn't watch social media there's a lot of people there was a recent whistleblower from Facebook who talked mm. about how they know the Instagram and Facebook algorithm favors content which is toxic for children like they they push anorexic content and they they actually have an influence on mental health of young people mm-hmm. in terms of self image anxiety depression even suicide rates mm-hmm. so unfortunately it's something that i think we have to live with social media my life was a lot better before social media came about and it was i was a lot happier a lot healthier and there were a lot fewer dist- distractions in terms of if you wanted to train if you wanted to get smart or something you had this whole chunk of day which social media didn't eat up. Mm. So personally, I think there's there's it can be used positively and leveraged like you guys at Basics are doing. And it's important to understand the neuroscience in terms of you talked about retention and 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 sometimes we're being manipulated, especially certain creators, they're creating content in a way which, you know, changes from one image to another very quickly. It engages you, but it's 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 dumbing us down in a sense because we're just being led by whatever releases dopamine more mm. and more dopamine kind of pushes and it desensitizes us to to a point where we can't enjoy things that we should enjoy so one research that i was looking into found that a like on instagram creates the same amount of dopamine release as cocaine does or similar amounts just slightly less mm. so you think if you're in a in a place where you're posting things for likes and i i'm i'm actually uh, uh, guilty of it myself but if you're posting things for likes and you're looking for validation externally then one you're not living your life you're you're 
holding up a camera to try and capture all these moments to make other people envious. Mm. And two, you're putting your mind in a state where it's not going to be able to enjoy things it should be able to enjoy because it's so high off social media. Like if it's comparative in studies, they're comparing it to cocaine and we would never, we would never take cocaine, Mm. but we'd, we're happily wake up first thing in the morning and, and consume social media or last thing at night. And I'm, I'm guilty of this. So I'm not trying to say that. I'm I'm I don't do this so shame on anybody else but I think it's important to have that awareness that you talked about earlier where Guru Sahib said that person had awareness of our, his thoughts mm. so I think it's important for us to have awareness of the impact social media is having on us and how much we want to let it so maybe we have the guidances in terms of from behavioral scientists that we have some kind of boundaries around our use so maybe we think okay from 12 p.m to 8 p.m I'll go on social media if I want to but actually outside of those hours, I'm going to do, do, you know, turn it off or uninstall it. I have to physically uninstall it to stop myself from ha- habitually clicking I, on Instagram. I do, I do the same. <laughs> so, so, you know, we, unfortunately, we, we live in a day and age where no one's going to protect us from this stuff and the effects it's going to have on our mind. It's going to be very hard to, to attach to Shabbat if we're bombarding ourselves. And I'm speaking to myself here with too much of this stuff like mm. these cocaine hits and you just mentioned a point about some of the more simpler things in life we cannot enjoy just for people to understand what what would be those simpler things and if you have any examples g yeah so for my age group playing with your kids mm. you know, spending time with a loved one mm. you know, you'll have somebody going to dinner with their their spouse and they'll be on their on their phones on social media mm. so it's very difficult to nurture a real human connection with somebody if your mind is addicted to social media Mm. Um, so things that should bring us joy Like family, faith All of those things Are not going to have the same impact they would mm. like, It's going to be what you think I was talking to Gurpreet Kaur about this I was like, She was talking about how You get so much joy from going inwardly And doing a bias and doing your meditation And I was like yeah but that would take like Two hours of sitting there <laughs> trying to clear your mind Whereas <laughs> YouTube I could just Click UFC yeah. and just Automatically get those dopamine hits From things that I want to watch Mm. So, you know, God's competing against Aren't Instagram you? and YouTube <laughs> In one respect, yeah Baji, just a question I remember in uh, when we were in Canada together You Aren't were talking you? about like a balanced lifestyle And you were saying how it's so difficult Because nowadays we have to do like You have to take care of the kids You have to have a balanced diet Have to go exercise, gym, all this stuff You're also working, you're sicky stuff So how do you balance all this stuff? I think that's a really good question I think that's a question that a lot of people have And I don't necessarily have the answer to that i think every every male from my perspective for every dad will have his own way of how it works for him my work is a bit flexible so i can book patients when i want to see them so it means that i can go to the gym at certain times and work it around that i can pick the kids up from school i can have certain time which is okay this is quality time with the kids where we're just going to do arts and crafts or things like that um, and not everyone has that flexibility depending on their role. They might be a solicitor where they're working crazy hours, that kind of stuff. But I think every couple probably just has to sit down and think, um, these are the amount of hours they are in the week. We need to sleep eight hours. So outside of that, we've got, you know, time to eat, get dressed, all of that kind of stuff. And this is the this is the two hours that they are or fifteen. For some people, they don't have they have zero time. And I would say don't feel guilty. Like there were times when if I showered, it was like a good day, you know, like we were so busy with the kids 
and they wouldn't even let us go to the toilet. They just start crying and start banging on the doors. So mm-hmm. um, some there are periods in life where you have these ebbs and flows of being super busy and then it calms down again. So get, I would say to men, first of all, if you've just had a newborn, just cut yourself some slack. Don't worry too much about falling behind on X, Y, and Z because you'll pick it up when you get a bit more time. And then outside of that, if you do have a bit more time, then I would say you think, okay, you got to nurture your marriage. So you got to invest some time in that, whether it's a date night once a week or something, where you do some Gurbani Vichar together, or watch a film or whatever you want to do. And then you got to give your kids some time because what's the point of you've you brought these kids into the world. They didn't ask to come here. <laughs> so, well, technically. <laughs> but um, so you you have a responsibility to invest time uh, into them. So you got to you got to like figure out how you're going to fit that in. Mm. And then I don't think you can be a good dad if you're not looking after yourself, if you're not sleeping and you're not exercising, mm. you're going to, like, I'm talking about from personal experience, I'm very ratty. I'm a completely different person if I haven't slept or if I'm not training. And I can go for a run for half an hour and just be in a completely different space mentally and, and just be so much calmer and so much more tolerant. And I think that's really important. So you have to you have to carve out time for yourself, look after yourself um, as a priority. And then you got to look at what are your priorities. So socializing, seeing your mates might not be that much of a priority when you look at all the other things, you might not have time for it. Mm. So that might be like once a month or once a fortnight as opposed to every Friday night or that type of thing. Mm. So it's, it's, it comes back to time management. And the other, the other thing it comes back to is those micro habits. Mm. So you might not be able to go to the gym, but maybe you can do like 10 press-ups before you get in the shower. And that's a lot better than doing nothing. Yeah. So you just got to get those little wins wherever you can. And that's another topic actually um, that we covers about procrastination as well. Because again, when it comes to having a balanced life, if you find a lot of time that we're wasting procrastinating, uh, then that's just a lot of time gone, right? So do you have any advice on that? Because that was actually one of the questions that you asked on your Instagram uh, poll that we did um, to ask the Sangat. So any um, advice when it comes to procrastination? Yes, I think it comes back to the social media thing. I think the days when I ha- haven't gone on my phone, I've, I'm shocked at how many hours I have in the day to get stuff done and to get through big projects. Mm. And I think our mind has become very, or my mind has become very scattered and a bit like a rabbit in headlights or, or shiny object syndrome, right? Where you see one shiny thing and you're, you're meant to be doing a, writing a report and you see something else like a heater that needs to be fixed and you start doing that and then you realize you're out of bananas and you go to end up Sainsbury's and then you realize mm. it's nighttime and you haven't done anything that you're supposed to do so so the day in the life of- yeah day in the life of releasing. so if you just turn your phone off yeah. great turn notifications off definitely yeah get rid of all of those and then just turn your phone off think mm. for this is like that my this one thing i do personally is i think okay what what one thing can i do today that at the end of the day i'd feel like okay today was a successful day mm. so it might be like <coughs> putting a video out or doing a podcast or mm. and it, you want to make it something attain attainable mm. And then you do that and you get that dopamine hit that actually I'm, I'm productive. I'm, you know, you feel like a success. You feel like you're, you're making progress mm. towards your goals. And that can, really, that can really snowball into you being more and more productive. Mm. But I think TV and social media are a big time sap. I think personally, I'll go on YouTube and then, you know, before I know it, like an hour's gone, two hours gone. Or, Mm-hmm. And I think also to add to that, it's sometimes more emotional response, procrastination rather than just a time management thing. So sometimes people would get overwhelmed or something and that would cause them just to not start the thing at all. They're like, oh, it's too much. I'll just leave it and leave it for later, you know. 
So it's, it's also learning how to deal with those emotions as well and understanding that, no, it is possible. And you can use loads of um, things. I remember you did videos about like affirmations, about visualization, all of these things. So yeah. yeah. There's lots of tools out there and I, I recommend all of them. Anything that works for you, it's, it's a bit like fitness. You've got to play around with things, see what works best for you. Uh, I've, I've tried like Pomodoro timers, which are like 20 minute timers and you set a certain amount of work that you need to get in 20 minutes and you have a five minute break where you just walk around, stretch. Mm. That method has helped. I've set just timers on my watch. So I'll think, okay, I need to get ready to do everything within 10 minutes or I need to get all the dishes done within 10 minutes. And looking at a huge pile of dishes, which is going to take me hours, I might put that off. But when I think, okay, I've only got to do 10 minutes, mm. get myself started. I use that for work as well, for report writing, um, that type of stuff, writing patient notes. Um, exercise is productive. I'm, I'm reading actually a book at the moment on meditation. And the guy who is a productivity expert, he tried lots of different things. And then one at one point, he said the thing that worked best for him was 35 hours of meditation a week. So he took out 35 hours to do meditation in a week. And he goes, the amount of focus that that produces in the mind, he was more productive than he's ever been wow. from doing everything else, reading books, all the other kinds of things wow. he was doing. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, if you can do Simran, like Vaisavi, go uh, Park Avenue on Mitzvah in the mornings, if you get to do Sangat, mm -hmm. like that kind of really sets you up. I, mm -hmm. I grew up at the moment, started a new habit of dropping the kids off and then going to Gudwara and Mata taking mm -hmm. and just... Just getting Guru Sahib's darshan first thing in the morning, I find I have a better day mm. uh, than not. So just any little things that you can find. But th there is, there is in terms of that dopamine, if you think of a crack addict, he's always looking for his next fix. So if you put yourself in an environment where it's going to be very easy for you to just end up binge watching or going on social media, then you're, you're probably going to fall into that. Because mm. as you fatigue, as you feel certain emotions, you're more likely to seek that reward and that, that whole dopamine release. So... If you can set yourself up with a good environment, like you're doing a work session together, you know you know you're not going to just sit and watch Netflix for that whole period of time. Mm. So that that's also creating an environment where you can get the best out of yourself is really important. And uh, just another question that leads on to that, especially now with the new year coming up, and a lot of people generally they use it as a time to set new goals as well. Um, so do you have any advice on that? I mean, tips for motivation. Obviously, you don't want to just wait once a year and then go like a few days. <laughs> I know you said earlier about achievable goals as well, but anything um, that you think would help just motivate uh, the listeners, um, whatever they're looking to do in their life, or whether that's get out of a difficult situation or just grow in something else, any advice when it comes to motivation? So one thing I would say is, is slightly unrelated is, is be yourself. So for, for me to say to Baji, you know, you should start rock climbing, right? Where he has no interest in <laughs> rock climbing. And, you know, that because I've brainwashed him, that becomes mm. one of his goals that he's going to become a Olympic rock climber. Then, then it's kind of pointless. Mm. So mm. I think firstly, just think about what you want. Mm. Because like reading books, I read a lot of books because it means I don't watch TV. So it, it, I find it is a better habit for me. But that might not necessarily work for everyone's lifestyle. So... <laughs> Just don't worry about what someone else is doing. Don't look on Instagram and think, oh yeah, that guy's exercising for two hours a day. I should be doing that because mm. it might not be feasible based on your priorities and your goal in life. So first figure out what you want in life. And then the next thing I would say is I've, I've been very goal oriented and, and been able to achieve a lot of goals. But, but I think it's very important to be balanced. So you need to set goals in your health. You need to set goals in your family life. And you need to set goals in your work. You need to set goals in your spirituality, in your bhakti. If you just get too one-sided, like I was, and you're just focusing on work, 
then you'll achieve all your work goals, but you'll still feel empty. So mm. it's very, and you won't have spent any time with your family and you'll think, well, what's all this for anyway? Mm. So it's very important to try and um, look holistically at the things you want, not just think, okay, I want this Lamborghini because this guy on YouTube mm. has a Lamborghini and he did this, so I want to do this. Mm. But just think actually, well, what do I want out of life? Do you want a successful marriage? Well, that requires time and investment. Mm. Do you want your kids to grow up and think, yeah, my dad was there for me? Then that requires consistent time and investment. So once you, if you start from a place like that, and then the second part is what you said exactly, which is you want to make them uh, achievable. So really easy. And if you get them done in the first month, that's brilliant. And then you just, you build self-efficacy. You think I can do this, you know, God's mm. grace. Look how far I've come. I wasn't doing this thing before. Now I am. Mm. So maybe it's possible for me. Whereas, you know, if I say I'm, I want a million subscribers by tomorrow, mm. it's just creates it's unrealistic expectation, sets me up for failure. And then I think, well, maybe it's not possible for me. I never post ever again. Thank so you. it's very important to set yourself up for success. Thank you. Thank you for that. I think that helped a lot of Sagata as well. And I, th I think accountability as well is an important thing. So if I say to Baji, you know, Baji, I'm, I'm going to run a marathon by June, right? <laughs> and he's going to be like, oh, you know, I'm going to say, make sure I, you know, make sure you hold me accountable. And then mm -hmm. I, I don't want to feel like, oh, yeah, I've just, just been blagging. Mm -hmm. So as long as it's attainable, mm -hmm. as long as it's reasonable, it's actually something I want. I think accountability can be really helpful. Uh, and just another question actually came from the Sangat as well um, from your Instagram page. Um, help and keep help and keep my parents fit and healthy. Advice on exercises they can actually do. Do you have any advice on that as well? Hanji. So I had two guests recently on my podcast. One of them, Tanvi Singh, shout out to him from Edinburgh. He actually had a heart attack mm. and uh, he started making some lifestyle changes. He wasn't unhealthy in the first place. He was already vegetarian and exercised anyway. But he started walking. I think he's doing 15,000 steps a day on average. And he's he's lost, I think, two stones. So just just little things like that. Walking. I, I worked with Fodja Singh, which he's part of Sikhs in the city running team in East London. And um, they he, he doesn't run most of the time. He walks. So walking is a phenomenal exercise. It, it's uh, something I would highly recommend. And for the elderly population, regardless of whether you're you're my age or or depending on how mm. old that person was who sent that message in <laughs> might have been my uh, son but um yeah depending on where you're at you can scale it so you've just got to find something that fits for the person's lifestyle same going back to the old example if i said to Bard, you do rock climbing he has no no interest in doing rock climbing although i have seen him rock climbing in vancouver he's actually really good at it was he? yeah not, yeah not amazing but um you have to have a passion for that. So my friends, the ones that I grew up with, they do Thai boxing. So when I go and do Thai boxing with them, it's a social thing for me. I get to see my friends. It's a bit of soul food. And so I'm more likely to s stick to that. So mm. when you look at exercise, ideally, you want to you wanna feel part. A human need is to feel part of a community, to mm. feel belonging. Mm. And if you can find that from Sikhi, that's amazing. If you can find it from an exercise group as well, as well that's going to help you stay exercising for longer mm. so it, you have your gut things that you tr go to the gym with mm. you know you don't want to let them down mm. and you'll get inspired by them so that's a much more conducive relationship to being healthy long term Hanji. and just uh, to add to that on the topic of the community i remember uh, listening to this talk by the psychologist in america 
and they they said that they they had loads of patients which were coming and saying we've got like anxiety depression all these mental problems and they had this idea that what if we make a garden and we tell them every week to come and just start tending to the garden and what they said is really nice they said as the garden was flourishing so was that community so was yeah. their minds are flourishing because if one person missed a week everyone would phone them and be like hey what's up what's going on so they built that support network and then he said that nearly all of them whatever mental problems they had it went away just from having that safe space and building that garden together manji that's amazing mm. i think there's there's so many ways looking at different factors with that one is the probably the biggest aspect is a community other is being outside green green spaces have an effect on mental health yeah. you're you're being productive you're seeing things grow a mm. sense of achievement and sense of fulfillment from that so, so yeah any any way you can get your sense of belonging that's positive so mm. not with bad bad sangat but with good mm. sangat and you can is and with elderly population there's loads of aunties groups that go to south park in the mornings and walk around there so if you can find an auntie who'll be willing to um <laughs> this is to darshan kor if you can find an auntie who'll be willing to go for a walk with you in the mornings then you can go um and do that or it might be might be any other type of form of exercise that you can gardening is another form mm-hmm. anything that you can really connect with that you enjoy and that you can do as a community mm. well just a quick question on diet because i know you're you're a big adv- advocate for like intermittent fasting and stuff so uh, what are the benefits of doing that Yeah so diet is a really polarizing topic. I was thinking about this on the way in because you know obviously outside of the Sikh community some people are oh, you have to eat meat. I was talking to Bugsing about this in the morning that you you can't be strong unless you eat meat or you need to do this or you know all that kind of stuff or even when I got into Sikhi my gran who's you know typical Punjabi gran she was like oh tu takrag nahi hona hai tu meat ka te sharta and stuff so mm-hmm. there is that there is that a uh, misconception that stigma but the strongest people I know are vegetarians. and i was talk my one of my friends he and a patient bow he's heavyweight national champion in in freestyle wrestling and he's he's never had meat in his life oh. um so it's definitely possible and in terms of diet the reason i was an advocate of intermittent fasting was one because i tried lots of things and that was the thing that worked for me and two it doesn't cost anything doesn't require any preparation or you don't have to buy any specific books mm. or, or or subscribe to anything so i i really advocate for that because as a busy dad i don't have time to do food prep i don't have time to measure calories of every meal that i'm eating but i i can wait till 12 to eat that was pretty simple and, and um sustainable so that's that's the first thing is you got to just um forget about what other people say when you're looking at diet you've got to just try things out for yourself and see what works for you second thing is it, it needs to be sustainable because a, a pro bodybuilder once said to me I said to him what's the best diet and he said the one that you can stick to so <laughs> there's no point you following this meal plan that you're going to do for 3 months Absolutely. and then you're going to go back to eating like you know no. pizza mm. on every friday mm. and you know an entire pizza because you're going to you're going to go back to exactly the same place so you want to make changes that you can you can sustain mm. and it might start with just changing your breakfast just going from coca pops to porridge with some blueberries and some peanut butter for example mm. so once you changed breakfast and you start feeling a lot better you start feeling your energy levels are a lot more balanced throughout the day and you f- mentally you feel better then you can look at okay how do i clean up my lunch how do i get a bit more greens in mm. how do i get a bit more water in my diet in a way that you can maintain till you're 100 cuz otherwise what's the point if you're only going to do it for a month mm-hmm. so make change, li- lifestyle changes basically 
lifestyle changes and doing things in a in a way which is setting yourself up for success. Mm. If I say every Sunday I'm going to do meal prep for the next seven days for the family, and it's going to take me six hours, that's probably not something I'm going to be able to maintain. But if I say, okay, this is what I was doing. An example: every lunch I'll go to Sainsbury's, the local one, get some brown rolls and hummus and spinach, mm. and just eat that while I'm for lunch while I'm at the hospital. That was really easy to do. It didn't require any preparation, and it mm. was cheap. So tasty. It was. I think it was tasty. But when you're hungry, anything's tasty, right? <laughs> That's true. Even even spinach, <laughs> if you're really hungry. So um, that got me really good results. Mm. So and it's easy to maintain. So you have to think about it from that perspective. But the other problem I think is that we we're too used to like swads now. Yeah, you know, like 100%. it's like oh yeah, I feel like this today. I feel like that today. Mm. Whereas Going back again when I was younger, you had dal roti every day. You had roti at home. There yeah. was no, let's go out and eat. Son, I've got to be reset. Let's go and eat. I do the same now, but I think we have to be, we have to be aware that when you go to a restaurant, they're not looking at the best ingredients. Mm. How can we make this person the healthiest possible? Mm. They're looking at how can we get this person to eat the most mm. and come back here because mm. they think it's really swad. Mm. So, and that's not going to be looking at e numbers you know calories mm. sugar content salt content so you're it's, it's hazardous if we do it on a too mm. too regular basis anji my mom in india she said that <laughs> when she was a kid she used to do kheti body she used to carry like heavy loads on her head before she went to school every day mm. Mm. then she used to cycle to school and she said um th- this is a she said when they would get barfi on a special occasion like diwali or something bandi shodavas they would uh, split it between the kids like one barfi No way. The the three kids were split in between themselves. Yeah. So that was the, that was like their excess was that they now treat. You split the dumba in it. Yeah. <laughs> now you're like, <laughs> yeah, I need to finish this dumba before it goes off. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know that that excess, and then Gurbani says raskas kaya pin vadai. Like you know, like we're so used to swads that um, it's not it's not conducive to even sikhi, but also just health. Mm. We're gonna get problems. Just going a bit off topic, buddy. Um, I really admire the fact that you've like made this lifestyle for yourself, where you're like got flexible work and stuff, and you've made your own business. And uh, so, what tips would you give for someone? Because we've been to a few like business uh, conferences together, right? Anji. On like people who are trying to get into that um self-employed lifestyle. Anji, I think, f- firstly, I'm talking about myself here. I I set a goal that I want to earn a million, right? And that wasn't really my goal. It was just. Things that I was hearing from all these business people mm. that you got to be a millionaire, millionaire. But what does that even mean? Like, what? Like, you have a million in your bank, but how is that going to change your life in any mm. way? Mm. So they they've done lots of research on um, lottery winners, and they found that actually, they a number of them have regretted it. They've said it's the worst thing that's ever happened to them. Yeah, and and you can go and and there's books on this stuff. But I think, firstly, it's important to have okay a number in your head that. To maintain the lifestyle that I want, I need to earn this much. So it might be, you know, two thousand, three thousand a month, and then depending on what you're, you've studied, like Baji studied computer science, and you can look at okay, what fields give me some type of flexibility, some kind of work from home arrangement where I can get my work done in my own time, still be able to help out with the newborns and that kind of stuff, mm. and 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 then you can work work back from there. So I think it's important to reverse engineer the process. So for me, fortunately, I've I've studied as an osteopath. It's a lucrative profession, and I can look, think, okay, I need to earn this much, and then well, that's this many patients a week, 
So as long as I'm hitting that many patients a week, the rest of the time I can just take off and spend with the family. Mm. But just having an arbitrary goal like a million, it makes no sense. It wasn't right for me. Mm. So, so I would say just figure out what you really want and then you can do that. And the harder I've worked, the more anxiety, the more, like I, know, I think Puff Daddy says, more money, more problems. <laughs> but um, I think he must have read some spiritual book on, on some faith or something because, because it is true in mm. my experience. So you want to you wanna have enough to be able to live the life that you want and be comfortable. Mm. But in excess of that, it just gives you more stress. Mm. I think even uh, Jordan Peterson, he said that over like a certain threshold of thing of like $90,000 in the US, you're, there's, you're not living, you're not benefiting your life. You can live a comfortable life and still have all the like necessities as well. So anything above that, you're just like causing extra anxiety or stress. Anji. And you want to be time rich as well, right? Like yeah. ri rich is a concept which is, I think needs to be reinvented. Because when we think about, oh, I say to Bhagat, oh, that guy's really rich. That's why he's got that car. But actually, he's not really rich. He's got a lot of money. Yeah. But it doesn't mean he's rich. Mm. You know, yeah. you're like maybe he doesn't, he might not have the best relationship with the kids. He might do. It's just an assumption. But mm. he might not feel content. He might not feel happy. He might not have peace of mind. He might not have mm. a guru. You know, so there's, there's lots of ways that you can measure richness. So I think you've just got to find the right one for you mm. and then work towards that. Mm. That's cool. Um, Anything that you want to talk, um, cover? I think there was a question about the Jonkra that I often get asked a lot, especially from guys who aren't used to going to the Gurdwara and then mm. they need to go to a camp or they need to get married and they mm. have to sit on, on camera yep. in Jonkra. So I think you guys... <laughs> on camera in Jonkra. <laughs> I've heard that one before. <laughs> so I think you guys have a lot more experience about that. So I appreciate your input. But for me, someone said this to me a long time ago, it's just practice. He goes, if you had to sit for, through a film in a jonkra, you'd probably do it because your mind is so immersed yeah. in the film, yeah. you're not going to feel it. Mm. So over time, you just get used to it. And first I used to think, oh, is jonkra is not really suited for bigger guys. Because if you look at the old photos of sadhus, they're usually quite, quite emaciated mm. and and they'll they'll sit all day. But I've I've seen some, you know, things sit for long periods of time. One of my friends, Jai from Kov, he sits for longer than I do. And um, so he trains and you're know, a muscular guy. So I think it's more to do with practice and mm. the amount of time you've spent in Jonkra, it just gets easier. Your ligaments stretch, mm. your your body molds to that movement. Mm. But I would say, as with anything, build it up gradually. Because otherwise you'll you're get in pain. And Baji, what can you do for like, say you've been sitting for a long time and you get like stiffness in your joints and knees. So what yeah. what, what can you do to combat that? Um, so one prob common problem is pins and needles and for that it's blood flow so anything that helps with blood flow like exercise massage stretching changing position so just moving the foot out so your your artery here doesn't get compressed by your knee that type of stuff can help um, on the other hand in terms of with stiffness and joints then again similar stuff so anything that's going to improve blood flow is going to improve mobility as well so um, stretches like yoga that kind of stuff just stretching like before and after sitting for long periods of time as well and also um like cardiovascular exercise running squ swimming rowing something that's going to improve blood flow to the joints is going to help nutrition wise weight loss all those kind of things help if you're overweight obviously not not for everyone mm. that's mm. the worst thing when your legs go to sleep especially a few times i've been doing talks on stage and it's been like a big stage and like Manji. this next jatha is coming and then you're about to get <laughs> like i can't get out it's like <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what to do so you just like drag yourself back so you get out of the way yeah it's i feel awkward. for katawa chicks and like double players as well because yeah. they, they 
sometimes sit for the whole program, right? So yeah. I feel like those guys. Yeah, it doesn't happen a lot now, but all, all times, like, how did this happen to me? This, this one random time, you sat down and you just let us to sleep. I was listening to um, uh, uh, the audiobook of uh, Bandagi Nama, it's mm. on, on SoundCloud. Mm. And he was talking about, and this is going back, obviously, quite a few years ago. He used to sitting on a wedge, so sitting on a cushion. Mm. So your your sitting bones are on the cushion, Andy. but your legs are off because that reduces pressure off the knees, but also the back. Mm. Yeah. And so I was surprised because I know Buddhists sit like that. They, I've been to mindfulness courses, but the uh, I, that's the first person in the community who I've heard recommend that Andy. as a, as a mm. method of sitting. Because mm. if you're if you're in pain, it's going to be very hard for you to concentrate. Mm. So if you're doing a bias at home, I would recommend just sitting with your legs outstretched and sitting like mm. on the sofa comfortably or something. Because mm. your mind is the thing that's got to try and focus, right? Like mm. if you're in pain, you're thinking, oh, I really, I really want to move, then you're you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to concentrate. Definitely. And and that helps me a lot as well. I'll just put like a, a gumbel underneath me. That's perfect. And I just like, but my legs are lower, but my like, the top of our body's higher, Anji. and then it just takes the pressure for your legs. Anji. And then you, like you said, it just it's, with time you can sit for longer. Anji. Like I was saying to God, we seen the other day that now I can sit for two hours comfortably, but three hours then I know my knees are gonna ache when I when I, I, I it's like I stand up like an old like I'm a baba used to stand up like like, like uh, maybe slowly you know the pains <laughs> in the knees, uh, but yeah, just with time it literally just it Anji. just gets easier. Um, Anji. That um, stuff. One thing I just want to talk about before we finish off. Um, first of all, is I enjoyed this podcast so much. It's very nice. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. And uh, a lot of great topics we covered. Um, and I get a bit excited sometimes because I think about all the cool things that will hopefully go to Kirpakar and that we could do in the future. Um, and uh, just to those that are listening as well, if you have any ideas of topics that you'd like to see uh, by some cover in the future coming on the podcast, even do some sort of like series stuff. I know I'm chucking things out there. Whether we do or not, that's up to Guru Sahibji. But, you know, like, because what's great is that you have a lot of experience in different things, whether that's the health side, the diet side, but just let us know uh, what you'd want us to cover in the future. If you want us to cover a certain topic or topics uh, and, and break it up, that'd be something that we could do in the future as well. Do you have anything in mind that you you would like to do? Um, I just want to take this opportunity to thank you guys, really, to be honest, for having me here. I, I feel really blessed. That I've listened to the other podcasts and the people that you've on, had on are just so amazing. So I feel... Um, really out of place but firstly just thank you secondly just in any capacity that i can help is is a blessing because um i think what jugraj created and uh, what you guys have done and maintained is commendable i think it's, it's it's a really beautiful thing that you're doing and i i can see a little bit of the behind the scenes of how much work that you guys put in so it's amazing and um lastly i just want to say that this is just my experience that I've talked about. So lots of people with diet and exercise, they will have different experiences and, mm. and with Sikhi. So, um, and, and so if I've said anything wrong or to said anything to offend anybody, I, I honestly, did, that was not the intention. <laughs> so I hope mm. people can take uh, it with a pinch of salt. The disclaimer. That this is yeah, a, disclaimer. <laughs> you know, you don't want like... I think we I, said the same with Darshan Kaur. Same thing, <laughs> disclaimer. Yeah, disclaimer, yeah. yeah. Mm. But in terms of, in terms of, Engaging with the community online, I think like exercise, just I think things that trend well in terms of SEO, mm. we could look at from a health and fitness point of view. Mm. Commonly asked topics like diet, we could do a series on like recipes, for example, mm. because up in it they need to eat roti and dal and sabji because that's that's our diet. Mm. So if you're gonna put like person like me on salad and and lean protein, it's not, it's not sustainable. Mm. It's not gonna work, and it probably wouldn't suit my gut. 
So we could do a series on diet, we could do, which is probably more commonly asked about than, than exercise. But exercise is another area mm-hmm. that you can work on because, um, you know, you've got lots of people doing different types of things, bodybuilding type workouts and mm-hmm. people doing body weight stuff and people doing martial arts. And uh, it needs to be well-rounded for people not to pick up injuries and, mm-hmm. and that type of stuff. So I think we could look at what have things historically done mm-hmm. and then look at how do we create like a syllabus. So when mm-hmm. I was Thai boxing, if you wanted to fight, you had to run five miles a day. You had to do five rounds of pads for three minutes. You had to do this many rounds of sparring. You had to be able to do this many press-ups. Mm. So I think if we had something around, actually, this is something to work towards, mm. yeah. then that would be great. Also, even you could gamify it. So in the army, they have a, a ranking system. So they'll test your one-mile run. They'll test your pull-ups. And then they'll do that every six months and say, okay, which one of the basic Sangat is the fittest person in the rankings? <laughs> mm. And then you retest six months. So you've got that motivation to think, well, I don't want to be the 550th person. This yeah. time I want to be a little bit better. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, 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 absolutely. It's a bit like me with the quiz. Uh, <laughs> oh, <yeah>. so, <laughs> and so when, you, when you're aware of something with anything, with diet, with exercise, when you have awareness around something, you perform better. Mm. And when you building that community aspect so mm. there's lots of ways that we can gamify health and fitness to improve the health and well-being of the community and you know you talked about ingredients and stuff are you going to start cooking for us then is that what you're trying to say I, i'm actually i'm actually cooking at home at the moment oh, so good. yeah oh. i've actually tried to so you're welcome to come around and, and try it and if it's any good then we can uh make a, make a video <laughs> <Take it forward. laughs> yeah good taste test first right good that's fine that's, thank you so much for your time thank you I appreciate guys. it and um, again please forget any mistakes that have been made and hopefully we could do this again sometime soon bye Guruji Khalsa bye Guruji Khalsa